to episode nine of the Long Story Short podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Cornick. On today's episode, I will be speaking to the lovely Narissa Shea. Narissa is a sport and exercise psychology consultant, personal trainer, yoga instructor, nutritionist, and a professional Irish dancer. This girl honestly does it all. After a successful competitive career in Irish dance, claiming seven All-Ireland and international champion titles, she then went on to work as a professional Irish dancer, traveling around the world with an array of prestigious dance shows. Dance has played a huge part in Narissa's life and heavily influences the approach she takes to health and fitness. She feels in order to be the best coach possible for her clients, it is also important to encompass all areas of health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, which is a philosophy I also like to adopt in my coaching style. On today's episode, we discuss how Narissa manages her online coaching business while on tour Irish dancing, as well as how Narissa went through the different stages of grief after losing her father last June, and how she now uses meditation as a way to manage her emotions. I absolutely loved recording this podcast with Narissa, and I know for a fact that so many of you will find it interesting. I hope you enjoy. Narissa, welcome to the Long Story Short podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I literally, I do feel like I know you from Instagram now. So I just, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I was like, yes, 100%. Yes. Isn't it so Samuel. funny? We were saying just before we started recording that like social media is so great, like in so many ways, but I, I genuinely, I do feel like I know you. We did our EIQ course at the same time, which is our um, EIQ for anybody that doesn't know is a nutrition course uh, ran by Amelia Thompson and um, ESG Fitness, uh, Emma Story Gordon. And that was such an amazing course. We were also a little bit, we kind of crossed paths a little bit on AF Mentors, which is um, Emma's mentorship program. And, and Amelia, I think is involved in it now. Um, so yeah, like that, I feel like I know you, even though just for uh, the record, we have not met in person. But not yet. Not yet. yet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but like that, I've, I've been following you on Instagram for a while and I just absolutely love your energy. You have, oh my God, you're the most like amazing person ever. I feel like I'm looking at your posts and I'm just like smiling. I'm like, there is this energy if I'm in a bad mood, like we were talking today. Today's one of those days that a few things have cropped up where I'm like, I just need a podcast and no better person to have on than you. Because I feel like... <laughs> This is like such good, going to be such an energizing podcast. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward uh, to getting into things. So Narissa, no pressure, anybody, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> but for anybody who doesn't know you, would you be able to uh, tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and who it is you work with? Okay, so I am an online coach. So I work as personal trainer and nutritionist. I'm a yoga instructor as well. Um, I actually did my master's a couple of years ago in sport and exercise psychology. So I also dabble in a little bit of that too, which is why I'm obsessed with all things mindset. I actually got into the fitness industry like completely backwards to the way everyone else did. So like, that's why I'm obsessed with all things mindset. And I'm a professional Irish dancer as well. So I work mainly as an online coach. I teach yoga classes in person, but other than that, all the rest of my coaching is online. Um, And I mainly work with, I suppose mainly work with females between the ages of about 25 and 40. So they would be my main niche. But I do work with some men as well. Some men come along and they like what I'm giving out. They like the compassionate vibes. So I'm like, okay, if you're up for signing up to this, we're going to be talking about periods a lot as long as you're okay with that. And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, brilliant. (laughs) It's no harm. It's no harm for men to learn these things and know these things. 
No, exactly. And I'm like a full believer in like being completely honest and open about talking about these things online. And I think like, it's crazy. One of the first things that I tried to do with women, like when they first sign up to me is like, let's talk about the menstrual cycle. Let's talk about like a lot of people. And the reason I know that they need to hear this is a couple of years ago, like I just expected myself to be able to train like a little man. Like I was like, why am I feeling so different at different times of the month? Like, why can I not train every single day and just go in, smash the gym? And like, the more I can kind of like get people to work with their cycles as opposed to against it, work with your body, not against it. It was the biggest game changer in my life. So when people first sign up to me, I'm just like, okay, one of the first things we're going to start looking at is how can we work with your body and not against it? And I think that was one of the biggest things that changed for me over the years as well with with everything, with menstrual cycle, but also with food, with training, with everything, actually listening to your body and taking that compassionate approach towards coaching, I think is like always going to be my ethos but that's where I stood from the get-go so I've tended to attract over the years now clients who are more interested in like improving relationship with food wanting to get stronger they're not just coming anymore and wanting to be like oh hashtag get shredded yeah diet and exercise program because I'm like it has to be a lifestyle change and I think over the past few years now I've definitely started attracting more clients that are more interested in changing their lives and not just not just their bodies, because I think like the bodies is always going to be, I always say to people, I'm like, there's n- there's nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals. I was like, there's nothing wrong with having fat loss goals. I was like, as long as you're clear on your why, but I'm like, how about we do all these healthful behaviors? And then a byproduct of that is, yes, my jeans start fitting a little bit better. I have more energy to play with my kids, things like that. I was like, as long as that's not the main focus, and that's like a byproduct of all the healthful habits that we're putting in, then in my mind, I'm like, okay, no, these are actually changing people's lives and not just changing people's bodies, you know? Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. And something that I, I kind of sometimes have to remind clients over time or that the time that we're working together is like, you know, when it comes to dieting, when it comes to fat loss and weight loss, these things are, to, are we should be doing them to make us feel better, not yeah. make us feel worse. And I think that really like aligns with everything that you said there. Like, it's no shame in having a fat loss goal. It's no shame in wanting to, you know, fit into a smaller dress size or jean size. That's that's not a bad thing. But we have to do it with the main focus of health and actual happiness because I've been 10 kilos lighter than I am now and I've been a million times more miserable at that moment in time. Yeah. So it's always like, I think coming back to that, like overall health, like you said, looking at your cycle and as well, like, are you what is your why like why are why are you doing this and if it is genuinely you know you you want to be happier and more confident and those are things that can come with weight loss but sometimes I think people are surprised that it doesn't always come with that and and like you said how can we you know focus on adding things to our life as opposed to taking them away because I think people have in their which is understandable because we talk about weight loss people feel like they have to lose a lot of things in their life, you know, when they lose weight, but you actually, if done correctly, can gain a lot of things in yeah. your life. And you, you take that with you forever. If you like that, use a sustainable uh, and compassionate approach, like you said. Um, so I'm going to have to start with professional Irish dancer. Oh my <laughs> God. So that's insane. And okay. So when it comes to like running a business, 
being an online coach, trying to do your yoga courses, you know, still focus on your nutrition, education and all that. Um, how do you, how do you do it? How do you manage it all? It sounds like such a glamorous job. And I'm going to tell you, it is the least glamorous job you'll ever do in your life. And I, do you know what? I used to hold back on saying things like this, but now because it's not my main job anymore. I'm kind of just really, really open and honest about the mm. entertainment industry these days. I'm like, it's, it, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. You travel the world and all. And I'm like, a lot of the time I spent it in Germany and 90% of the time we were on the bus. So like, don't get me wrong. I loved it. And like for 10 years, it was my main job. And I, I really did love it when I was doing it. But then just before COVID, it was literally two weeks before COVID hit and all our work got cancelled. I actually went through a stage, like the stage came apart and I absolutely mangled my ankle. Like I was hobbling off stage and I had to go to hospital. I like damaged the ligaments in my foot. So this was like, my nightmare began like two weeks before COVID even hit. And I remember I, I was just so panicked. Like at the time, it's all I did and it's all I knew. My whole identity was tied to being a dancer. And I was like, oh my God, I can't dance now so they were like do you want to stay out in the tour and do the costumes and stuff and like I literally was so lost like I actually could not believe like I felt like I didn't even know who I was anymore because I couldn't dance so I stayed out in the tour for two weeks and did the costumes and I just cried and cried and cried and cried and then COVID hit like hit big time to the entertainment industry and everything got cancelled like every single tour we had lined up got cancelled we got sent home and as traumatizing as it was all of this stuff happened right and it happened at a time where I actually couldn't dance anyway so I was questioning my relationship with dance I was questioning my identity I was questioning how lost I felt because I couldn't do this anymore and after a while I kind of just started considering I was like you know what maybe I really really do need to look into whether there's anything else in this world that I'm as passionate about so I kind of sat down with myself and I was like right what do I like to do well I love health and fitness I love training I'm so fascinated with nutrition and I did have my master's in sport and exercise psychology so I have always been so fascinated with like the workings of the mind and mindset and how like some people can achieve goals and why other people don't achieve goals and all these barriers that come up as to why people can't achieve goals like I've just been so fascinated with this my whole life so I was like maybe I might go and do my personal training qualification because I had no work lined up anyway. Like I couldn't do anything with my foot, but also everything was cancelled. So I was like, okay, I'll go and do my personal training qualification. So I did that during COVID, finished that. And then straight away, like yourself, like I, I did EIQ and got into the nutrition. And then I launched my business and started coaching. And I was like, oh my God, like my life did a complete 180 in the space of a year. And even though like the dance and stuff started kind of coming back a little bit, I just had no interest anymore. I started coaching. I fell in love with it. I, I actually could not believe I found something I was more passionate about than dance. So like I actually took a complete step back from that world. I had no interest in getting back into the entertainment industry. I kind of was just like, no, I'm just loving what I'm doing. I'm loving this industry. I was loving the people I was connecting with. People like yourself where it was just so much like-minded people. And it was such a positive like vibe and a just great energy and I had no intention of going back doing dancing work and then 
last year um my dad got really sick and he was like my number one supporter for like Irish dancing like he just was obsessed with Irish dancing he never missed a fest like I competed up to the age of 22 he never missed a fest so all of a sudden like random little bits of dancing work started popping up last year and he was like he was in hospital at the time he was like but why don't you do it and I was like he was like well your legs can still do it you can't dance forever and I was kind of like Oh, yeah okay I suppose I'll go back and do a bit and it just kind of spiraled from there that like more dancing work kept coming like even though I wasn't applying for anything if this was years ago I would have been like sending out CVs dying to get work and now it was so funny on the flip side of it I wasn't even I, I wasn't looking for anything and it kept just coming and landing in my lap and I kind of just took it as a sign like from him because then he passed away in the June I was like I just kind of took it from there then as a sign to just kind of go back and do it and it's so funny now now that my identity isn't tied to it anymore, like I don't, the first thing I will tell people these days is I work as a coach. Whereas years ago, it's like, I'm an Irish dancer. Now I'm like a coach who does a bit of Irish dancing. I've never loved dancing more as I love it now because it's not my main bread and butter. It's back mm-hmm. being something I can enjoy. But like, I think for years and years, um, like when you're in the entertainment industry, like it's, it can seem really glamorous from the outside and you see these things on like Instagram and people are in like dressing rooms and stuff like that and they have the lights and stuff I was like half the time we're in sports halls there's no mirrors you're cold you're tired you've been on the bus all day and all you're seeing is this one snapshot of someone in a dressing room and I was like half the time you're just wrecked like so I was just kind of like it was nice to go back on tour with a completely different mindset whereas I was like I'm choosing to do this Mm -hmm. I'm not having to do this anymore and because like now I'm only kind of taking a little bit of work here and there because I'm so busy with the coaching and I did a three and a half week tour there before Christmas. And I swear to God, between like the touring and staying on top of clients, like I came back after the three and a half weeks and I was like, I need sleep. That, that was kind of going to be like my next question. Like, is there a certain structure? And obviously there's so many things that you said there that I want to, I want to go into. But when it comes like that to juggling everything, because I cannot even imagine. And I said this too, I had somebody on recently, um, Emma Dowling, who who was on episode five, I think, talking about pre and postnatal training. And she's a mom to a five-year-old and two one-year-old twins. And oh. I was like, how do you do it all? Like, I obviously have my, my gym, my business, and I genuinely don't think there's anything else I could put on my plate. So for you to be like, yep, I'm traveling as part of work, even though, and I love to hear that you really just enjoy Irish dancing now because I kind of I come from an athletic an athletic background as well um and it got to the stage where tennis for me just wasn't enjoyable yeah and it was a chore and I hated it and a few people kind of will ask me now like will you ever get back into tennis and I feel like if I did to a certain I committed to it I would still find it a chore again so I love how you have that balance of like you're identity I'm using quotation marks for anybody that can't see me but is a coach first like that is your job but you're a coach who Irish dances I love how you word that because it's so important because we tend to and this I'm guilty of doing this when it comes to being a business owner I'm like oh I'm a personal trainer and gym owner and that's all that I do but there's like so many other things that I do or that I love that I just don't really maybe talk about as much um but how okay how what are your what are your secrets for how you manage everything while you're away even though you came back and you were like I I just blanked out but I want to know what does a typical day look like for you when you're on tour and you're working at the same time 
100 coffees. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not surprised. And I feel you should have zero shame in saying that. And me there, I'm actually like in the process since New Year of trying to cut down to just one coffee a day. And I'm actually going out to do another little bit of work now around the 8th of March. Now it's a shorter tour and we have loads of days off, so we'll be fine. But I was just like, I wonder how this one coffee a day is going to go when I go. Oh, <laughs> Hanging out with green tea for the day. I'm like, I could do this. Yeah. No, well, I see the hardest part about being on tour is like, I'm such a morning person now. Like I love getting up early in the morning. I have my morning routine and then like I'll get stuck into work and then I might go to the gym in like early afternoon. Then I come back and start doing my calls or finish off work. So my routine is very much based around getting everything done early in the day. And then I kind of like unwind in the evening. But when you're on tour, you have to be like essentially a night owl because you're starting performing at like seven eight o'clock at night like and then you might be going to like 10 half 10 by the time you get back to the hotel and all it's 12 and this used to suit me grand because when I was on tour all you were doing was touring so like I'd get up just before bus call go to breakfast go to the bus sleep on the bus whereas now when I went away before Christmas I was up at like I was up at eight and then I'd go down to breakfast. I'd have a coffee. I'd have my breakfast. And then I'd literally sit on the laptop, like checking in with clients and stuff before the bus call. I had my hotspot on the bus. So I was working on the bus. And then if it was a really busy day, if it was like check-in days and stuff like that, I'd be working at the venue and then literally go do lineup, do the show. It was so funny. Cause like everyone, like 90% of the time people on tour, it's like a big party for them. So as soon as the show is over, they're like, woo. And I was literally like, back to the hotel had a shower and was straight into bed asleep within half an hour whereas the rest of them were only like kind of waking up then so it was so funny I was just on polar opposite time schedules than the rest of them they're like how do you go to sleep after the show and I'm like I've been up since eight working all day your, your body clock has to give in because I was gonna say I'm sure your adrenaline is so high after a show yeah like so you're quite well do you know what I would have said like years ago yes the adrenaline was high but I think because I was just kind of doing daytime after like morning time afternoon and nighttime it was so funny Mm. like there was no stress of me getting to sleep when I came in I would literally hit the pillow and go to sleep whereas the rest of them were like I don't know how you sleep after a show me they're looking at them all asleep on the bus and me they're up since eight and they're getting up at 11 I don't know how you I was like I've been up like a million hours before that is brilliant oh my god so so you do manage to fit it all in and you have your schedule which I mean I have to commend you it's it sounds very structured but that's that's amazing and how long would like a tour be so that last tour now like I've done tours in the past that are like 10 weeks 12 weeks like things like that now I wouldn't do them now so the longest kind of tour I'm doing at the minute is like three weeks and the one I have coming up now I actually have loads of days off on it so it's grand like I try to make the most of the days off and get a lot of work done on them but you're saying about the party it was so funny because they all used to slag me because I love a good party I love a good sesh like love the crack and it was so funny because I'd go out with them all once a week like say if we were going out like on a Saturday or the day before maybe one of our days off I'd go out with them once a week once all my work was done and they'd all be buzzing they're like yes the race is coming out tonight this is like the novelty they'd all be out five nights a week and I'd go out this one night and I'm like right we're going out tonight and they're like what (laughs) one night out for you makes up for about six nights out for them which is brilliant yeah (laughs) that's what I mean about your your energy it's it's amazing it's so so great and I know you had mentioned that your dad was unwell and that he unfortunately passed away was it you said June was this last June last last June okay I'm 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 so sorry um to to hear that and 
how how did that affect you and um, like how did you handle that this is actually a perfect timing for this podcast right because I actually I did a podcast there I think it was like last week or the week before my own podcast and it was it was funny so when dad passed away last year there was like months of coasting and I'll, I'll chat a bit about it but I, I was saying to my clients I was like do you know what when I'm ready to talk about it it's just going to hit me and then I'm going to want to keep talking about it because I feel like part of the reason I had to go through this so young is that I can help other people and I never thought grief was going to be something that I'd be talking to people so much about and in the last couple of weeks now I just feel like it keeps coming up chatting to people and I've actually been asked to speak at an event now about it in in April and I was like this is mad like because I actually wrote down at the start of the year one of my goals for this year is I'd love to get into like public speaking and stuff and then this randomly came up because this girl heard my podcast and she was like I'd love you to come and talk about grief so I was like so random but I was doing my own podcast there two weeks ago and I had this massive gap in the script like not that I'm always going by the script but like I'd have bullet points done out and I had this massive gap in it where I was like if I feel called to talk about dad I'll talk about it and then I ended up talking about it for like 20 minutes so like he um I went to Bali uh January last year and I kind of left them at Christmas now he hadn't been too well but like he was he was fine like we were there sitting there playing cribbage drinking pints and all at Christmas having great crack and then I left them just after Christmas and I was away for two months and I kind of had like this gut feeling to book my flights home a little bit earlier now I went to Bali to do my yoga teacher training so as Mm -hmm. soon as I finished the course I actually caught COVID so I had to isolate for a few days and then I wanted to do a bit traveling so I was like right I'm like two weeks now but then I just got this weird gut feeling to just come home and like change my flights and come home a little bit earlier, which is not like me. Like I love traveling. So I'd never come home early. Mom was like, why are you coming home early? I was like, I don't know. I just have this gut feeling. And I arrived home anyway. And my mom and my ex had like, they picked me up from the airport and I was there waffling away, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden realized they were really, really quiet. And I was just like, what's going on I was like where's dad and they were like he's in hospital and I was like no I know he's in hospital like they told me he was in for like this routine procedure and I was like okay but turns out he just didn't want them to tell them to tell me while I was away that he'd actually been diagnosed with cancer and it was like quite an aggressive form of cancer it was in his throat so they had to bring him straight into bone mount had to have an operation um, and he had to end he ended up having to get like a tracheostomy so he just like literally went downhill so quickly like I arrived home and the next day Bowman started ringing us and they were like he's not going to make it through the night you have to come in and like this was still through COVID time so like the restrictions were kind of still strict in the hospitals about going in so the fact they were letting us in they were really really worried about him they were like he's not gonna make it through and I remember going in like the first time and like just seeing like the tracheostomy in his neck and like all these wires everywhere and I was like I literally left him at Christmas like and we were like drinking and having the crack and all and um, just to see someone you love and who's been so strong your whole life just like looks so helpless and he's like pulling wires and stuff and I was like oh and this went on for like a week where every day every second day nearly they were just calling us and they were like I don't think he's going to make it through the night they were like you need to come in and after about a week then all of a sudden we walked in and he's just sitting up in the chair and he's there trying to talk and I nearly fainted I was like what <laughs> I was like if anyone knew my dad they'd know like he loves surprising us anyway so then he's just sitting there and he's like so how was Bali how come you came home early blah, blah. and I was just sitting there like staring at him <laughs> and he was just like are you gonna tell me about it and I was like I don't think 
think you realize you nearly had us all having a heart attack for the week. So he kind of like, he got himself back like a little bit. Like he had stage four COPD in his lungs as well. So he was never going to be able to get the full dose of radiotherapy. So they kind of did one dose and they were like, all we can do is kind of hope for the best. Um, so we ended up getting moved to a hospital near us. So we were in like every second day and like he kind of, he, he'd go through up and down and up and down. And then he eventually got home for a day. Um, like they were like, okay, we're going to let him home for a day and see how he gets on. And that night I remember like, I'm such a good sleeper, like nothing ever gets in the way of my sleep. But for some reason, like I just could not sleep that night. And I heard this big bang and I went down and he couldn't get the oxygen on. And then I kind of fainted for like 10 seconds. I woke up, called the ambulance, rang my mom, like, tr- like my mom was asleep in the other room. So I was trying to wake her up and it was just like, the minute he woke up then in hospital the next day and realized he was back in hospital, he just, I think he knew then he was never going to get home and he just kind of started going downhill from then. So then on like it's the 18th of June, we got a call and they were like, no, you have to come in. Obviously they wouldn't tell us over the phone, but when we got in, I think we were, we both knew it was coming, but we just didn't want to accept it. And then when they told us, we were like, I just remember like, being in shock but like it's a whole different type of shock and like I actually was thinking earlier when I was I was I'm always like trying to like sum up the feelings of this because so many people I know have lost grandparents and stuff but they haven't lost a parent and they've all been asking me like is the grief process the same and I was like well all I can talk about is my opinion of it and like we lost my nana about 10 years ago but other than that, my other three grandparents were all dead before I was born. So I was like, mm. other than that, I didn't really have anyone else that I'd lost that I was very, very close to other than my Nana. And I remember this feeling of like me and her were so close like that. I missed her so much and you'd have that longing for them to be back. But I used to look at the five stages of grief and not really understand. I was like, well, I don't think I had any of that. I was like, I just feel like yeah I miss her and I want her back and it sucked when we went over to England because that's where all my dad's family's from and I just like want her there but it was never like the stages of grief and I don't think you have any idea of how you're going to feel in them moments you're never going to know when you're in them either because when dad died up until about December I was full on in the denial stage of grief and I had no idea I was in it. I threw myself back into work. I was like teaching yoga classes. I was back coaching. Um, I had a bit of dancing work going on and it had hit me in stages. Like it had hit me on my birthday or something like that. And you just feel like you can't breathe. And then all of a sudden I just found over them months, like when I think back on it now, I was very much just coasting and very much surviving and not driving. Cause I was like, everything was a blur for them months. If it wasn't a wedding or a hen party or something, I was at. Like, I couldn't tell you what was going on in between it. I managed mm. to keep my business afloat, which I was proud of. But I was like, I, I couldn't tell you much that happened last year. And then when December hit, it was like I swiftly moved from the denial stage into the anger stage. And I was like, I'm such a positive person. But I swear to God, I would have argued with the leg of the table if it argued back with me in December. I just, everything was just frustrating me and angering me and if someone was even asking are you putting up a tree this year or what's your plans for Christmas like I was just so angry and so upset and I just kept crying but then I was frustrated with myself for being angry for no reason as well and then it wasn't until Christmas was over and I actually went down to do a Vipassana retreat which is a 10-day silent meditation retreat and I lasted a day it was like 10 hours meditating on the first day no phones no laptop just you and your thoughts for like the 10 days and I went down and I remember it was like 
everything I had pushed down for that whole year just bubbled to the surface because there was no distractions like everything just bubbled to the surface and like exploded but like it was traumatizing but it was the most cathartic thing because all of a sudden I just realized all these feelings I've been like trying to push down and now I left the retreat after a day because I just wasn't in the right headspace to do it but I kept up the meditation and stuff when I came home and I started more sitting with the feelings and processing the feelings and letting the anger come and then letting it pass and then letting Mm. the sadness come and letting it pass instead of trying to run away from the feelings and all of a sudden I had this new clarity then where I was just like just this level of acceptance came where I was just like I really I know it sounds so cliche but I was like I can't change anything here I was like but I can take something from this experience. And if all I can take from this experience is talk about it and help other people through it, I was like, well, then I have to believe that's a calling in some way as well. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, it's, it's such a weird feeling. And you don't know you're in these stages of grief until you get into the next one. And uh, it's just, it's, it's strange, but like there is something to be said there about when you reach that level of kind of just, acceptance of what's happened doesn't mean it still doesn't hurt no it still Mm -hmm. hurts you still miss them you still love them you still want them to be there but when people talk about them now I'm able to talk about them and like I'm more openly talking about things and like it's so strange when I think of my oh sorry myself even in December like I was like I feel like that was a different person and it wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. um so it's strange like grief in and of itself is just such a strange thing and I remember reading about the five stages of grief being like I don't get this at all and I'm like oh my god I totally get it now (laughs) yeah I I think definitely when it comes to grief and and kind of uh, like I've only touch wood like lost grandparents when I say only as in like you said like nobody closer to a grandparent um has has died in my life but um I it really one puts things in perspective for you know the likes of myself who it could we never know it could happen to um and I think you're doing such an amazing job by talking about it I actually had a conversation with a friend god even just last week and she lost her dad I think in 2014 and I didn't know her back then so I didn't know her when when this happened but and I don't know maybe um because I'm sure we'll kind of get into this like how other people reacted but I was I was asking this friend like I'm I'm asking her questions and you know I'm kind of saying to her as well like stop me if I'm going too far or if I'm asking you know if if my questions are too invasive and she's more than okay with talking about it and she was like you know the best thing that somebody from the outside looking in can do is not even like not uh, in a sense of like overwhelm you with like are you okay are you okay like and, and and relating to the question but you know those kind of like simple just things you can say that the person knows what you're talking about and just like how are you but like not a hey how are you just like a genuine how are you like that was kind of something that she was saying is you don't have to particularly address it but the person who is grieving or, or going through grief will know what you mean yeah and correct me if I'm wrong but I suppose what would your advice be for and I know everybody grieves differently so this is maybe not there's no one right answer but for those on the outside looking in who are trying to help those um who are grieving what would what would be your advice to that what are kind of I suppose things that you don't say and things that you don't do and things that you can do to help support them 
I think I actually love that what your friend said, right? Because something we did in our yoga course and our teacher used to do with us every day, and it was probably one of the most powerful things. And I try to do it with my clients now as well on calls and stuff. I'm like, she'd, she'd ask us, how are you? And you weren't allowed to answer for like at least 30 seconds. You had to just like close your eyes, put your hand in your heart and be like, how am I? No, you weren't allowed to say fine, grand, nothing, none of that. You had to say how you were feeling. And it could be one word. It could be a sentence. It was the most powerful thing because you could just say one thing and someone starts crying or like you could just say something and all of a sudden you realize that you're in a really good place and feeling okay. And I think something we do all the time in Ireland and I try to like warn my clients about it is like, we need to stop saying we're fine and we're grand when we're not, yeah. right? Because yeah. I've gotten very good at this because I used to do it all the time. I'm grand, I'm grand, I'm grand. I'm like ridiculously honest with my feelings now with any mm. interaction. Like I'll just say exactly how I'm feeling. And that was probably something that I lost last year was when people were like, how are you? I started falling back into I'm grand and grand and grand. But you meet them people and like what your friends said and they hold the space for you and they ask you, how are you? And it's a different tone of voice. Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, but how are you really? And all of a sudden then, bam, that just hits you. And it's not even, I don't think, anything that people need to say or like fill a space with talking. They need to hold the space for people. And I think that's something that coaches need to do as well. Mm -hmm. Like we can, I, I do it myself sometimes. I get so excited about like trying to like, give people advice but sometimes people just need to talk and you need to just mm. be able to like hold the space for the people to just say whatever they want and not feel like I think one of the best things you can do when you're having an interaction with someone is know that they're listening to you and I know that sounds really really simple but you know when you're talking to someone and you can tell that they're just dying to talk like dying mm -hmm, to talk. Mm -hmm. and I think it can happen a lot with like the younger generation and it's not their fault it's just like they're so used to the phones and everything is go yeah. go go that there's no like calm space hold the space for someone to talk and I don't think it even needs to be anything massive no one needs to like make a big deal out of it but if you can sit down and go for a coffee with someone and like them say to you exactly like what your friend said how are you and you're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, and how are you really? And how's your mom? And you know that it's coming from a place of compassion. And they're actually just willing to sit back. And whether you want to talk or not, they just hold that space for you. And I think that's something that's getting really big in like the wellness community now is like women's circles and stuff. And, hold, and actually men's circles as well. Like Pat Dibley is doing amazing things at the minute. Like holding that space for people that they have this, feeling that they can say what they want and not be judged and you know like there's a lot of things to be said like that that whole anger stage of grief was something that I was very uncomfortable about talking about because it's so out of character for me but I needed to talk about that because I was like yeah. that was a massive transition point for me but that was something that if I didn't feel safe enough to talk about I wouldn't have talked about because it's that shadow side of ourselves that we're like oh, well I'm not an angry person and maybe you're not but like I'm sure, sorry to interrupt, I'm sure there are so many other people out there who are grieving and they go, they are also not ones or not people to get angry and they've gone through that and they're wondering, why am I, why am I so angry? Yeah. And I mean, we don't, we don't think, I certainly don't, having not gone through it, I don't think of grieving as all these different emotions. I think of it as sadness and 
like you said, missing someone. But there is so much more, I'm sure, and there's so many more emotions that come with it. The denial, the, uh, the anger stage that us people on the outside don't realize. So I think it helps like that people like myself to understand, okay, if, you know, I do come across somebody who's lost somebody and, you know, and there's no time limit on it, I'm sure it's could be one, two years, it could be five, 10 years, but if they're angry, like, okay, they're probably still grieving, but it's, I think what you've said is great to remind others that who might be feeling guilty or embarrassed about that anger, that that's okay if you're feeling that, because that's part of the grieving process. Yeah. So yeah that's that's incredibly interesting and yeah I I, so in in those kind of six months will we say of denial yeah um obviously work was a big distraction for you um was there anything else that you felt like you used as a distraction that you know you were probably better off sitting with your emotions and it's not easy like I even with other things struggle to sit with my emotions like I'm probably I'm probably the worst person for it to be honest I either use exercise as a way to escape my emotions and how I'm feeling I used to use food or now I just use work like I'm feeling overwhelmed oh I obviously need to work on my laptop more because that just makes me feel really you know productive and productive and boom that's my my you know emotions gone away with well like that's not the case would not recommend but uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, talk to me if you can a little bit about that. Yeah, so I actually, I spoke to a client about this as well, because one of my clients was going through a bit of a rough time there a while ago, and we were talking about how people deal with stressful situations. And exactly like what you said, some people will come and say they're an emotional eater. I am not an emotional eater. I am an emotional overtrainer and an emotional, I will try and control everything. And I'm like, when I get into that phase of I'm losing control of something in my life, oh, I need to control everything I can control. So I found myself slipping into this cycle of being meticulous with tracking calories again and had my watch on 24-7, tracking my sleep, tracking my menstrual cycle, which are all great tools, right? They're all great tools when used in the correct way. But the way Mm -hmm. I was using them last year was not, I became very aware when I journaled that, like I've ditched my watch and everything now because not that they're not good tools, But your relationship to these tools is a massive dictator as to whether it's actually being something productive. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to be tracking my calories. I knew damn well what I was eating, but I was like going to track these and then I'm going to track my sleep and I'm going to track my menstrual cycle and I'm going to like track all these things. I had all these tables and I was getting obsessed with numbers because it's something you can control. Distraction. It's yeah. a, it's something to get. Yeah. It's and a I, tangible I like thing as well. So you're like, I can actually see this, you know what I mean? And this is something that I have complete control over, but then it comes a point where I got really sick in December as well. And like, I couldn't train and I was like, I had no appetite. And actually in that anger stage, I really, now I love food. Like I love food. Food is like my favorite thing, going for dinner and stuff. I I, like I'm a terrible cook, awful cook, but I was like, I love food, love going for dinner, love going for like lunch and stuff like that. Like I really love food. But in December, I struggled to eat. I lost the the love for it. I was like, I was eating because I knew I actually needed to keep going. Mm -hmm. But even at that, it was just like, like I'd go the opposite way like some people are being emotionally or I go like I if I'm really really stressed or anything I'd struggle to keep food down but I just found it was mad because 
that was like my breaking point in my body in December. Like I switched to the anger stage, but also I just got really, really sick for like a month as well, like where I just could like couldn't shake it. But obviously I'd been overtraining and my yeah. body was it. And I'm the first person to be telling people I'm a yoga teacher. I'm like, we need to get out of that fight or flight mode and go into rest and digest and stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. Here's me fight or flight six months <laughs> overtraining, massive step count. Would but it's, it's, yeah. it's harder to listen to yourself and your, oh, yeah. your advice. Definitely. Like, <laughs> Oh, I, I have conversations with my clients that I'm like, Vicky, that was actually really good what you said. Try to take that on board for yeah. it, yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. So, oh, sorry, go on. I totally interrupted you there. No, no, you're fine. As in like that literally was my thing. And it wasn't until I actually went to that meditation retreat and then actually kept up the meditation. And I've been like literally religious with my meditation every single morning, every single evening since New Year's. And it's crazy how like, looking at it now I know it's only like February and stuff but like I like I don't wear my watch anymore you know what I mean I'm back training in the gym and I actually (laughs) was out on a tour there a couple of weeks ago and it was two hours before the first show and I mangled my ankle again in the rehearsals had to go to hospital damaged the ligaments came home didn't actually do the tour so funny though Vicky like I sat in the hospital knowing full well that this was going to come back that it wasn't broken but it was the same thing that happened before and a couple of years later and I sat there in the hospital and it was so funny I wasn't even stressing I was sitting there watching Grey's Anatomy in the hospital right waiting for the results and I knew what he was going to come back in and say I knew I was going to have to leave the tour I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it I wasn't bothered. I was like, it's so weird. And in that moment, I thought back of the couple of years before that, where I thought my whole life was over. I was like, I get to go home. I was like, I still have my main job. Like, and then I went to the physio. She was like, look, you can still train up her body. She was like, anything with a flat foot, you're still fine to do. Go back doing legs in a few weeks. Just take it easy and stuff like that. So I was like, it's not like I couldn't do anything. Like, and uh, came back and just like got back into like training up her body and just got like, obsessed with upper body and smashing pbs and stuff again and like your mindset around things it's crazy how you don't notice until something happens how much you've changed and grown until you're faced with it what what do you think is there anything that you think had you have that mindset change because I like sorry something that just kind of comes to thought for me there I had surgery last December. Now, by all means, it was my own choice to get this surgery. So it was something I'd wanted for ages. But there was that fear of like, whoa, I have to take two months off the gym. What am I going to do with my life? And there was that fear because going back five, six years ago, this would have absolutely terrified me. I wouldn't have done this. I would have put off this surgery despite me really wanting it. I would have put it off because I would have been like, the gym. What about the gym? But like that, I'm always under the idea of we have to experience these things so whether it's an injury or surgery or whatever it is, you have to experience these things to grow from them and learn from them so that, you know, if that's to come back again, which for you, it did, you're like, I've been here before. Yeah. Nothing, you know, nothing totally terrible happened. Yeah. I I can, I can handle this. But was there anything for you that jumped out that was like this, you know, what was the, I suppose, biggest lesson for you that you're like, this isn't the worst thing in the world. This is, this is pretty okay. I think, and it's it's actually funny you're talking about this because I was only talking about it the other day. I was like saying to people, like, obviously mindset, mindset, mindset is like literally I'm always coming back to things like that. But we were talking, me and my clients were talking about challenges and having to 
come like face to face with them and overcome them. And I'm like, when people say the obstacle is the way, they are not joking. And I talked about this on my last podcast. Like I, I was given all these quotes and I'm like, the only way you will fail in anything is if you give up, right? But you need to start looking at obstacles as opportunities to grow, okay? So every time you are faced with a challenge, like, okay, if you make a mistake, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. And if it is a massive challenge, usually these are the things that are going to make us. Like I, I talked about like a couple of years ago when that happened with my foot and I was like, right, okay, I can't dance. I can't do this. What am I going to do? And I was like, go and do my personal training, my nutrition, launched a business. That way I was like, that would have never happened if I didn't have this massive challenge to go through. And yeah. I was like, it's the same thing when I talked to, and I had like this, amazing week of check-ins last week where I think I always think like especially when you work with clients of like similar age similar pain points I feel like people tend to go through things around the same time as well so we mm -hmm. had this week where I call it like we little meltdown week where you know they, they, a lot of things come up for people and they're like okay and I kind of like coach them through it we talk about okay right well this has happened. What can we control? What can't we control? And let's just focus on the factors we can control and break things down, right? It's going to seem like a mountain if you look at it all together. But if we actually just break it down into little baby steps, how can we get through this? And then last week in check-ins, like literally in the comment section, they were like, I can't believe I had such a meltdown over this last week. And they were like, and now I've actually gotten through it. I feel so much stronger. And I was like, that was an mm -hmm. obstacle. And that became the way. And now, you know, because you've gotten through that and you faced it and nothing detrimental happened, exactly like what you said with the surgery, you got through it. And then you realize, oh, OK, it actually was just adding to my ability to believe that I can do what I set my mind to. And even if obstacles do come up, then I, I know I can get through them. And you in, like your self-efficacy improves every time you do this for yourself. And I think like a massive thing is, when clients sign up, I usually do like a six week introduction course. So it'd be one to one coaching, but it's like an introduction course where they get like a lot of info on like nutrition, training, mindset and stuff like that. And then they usually stay on after the six weeks, either as a one to one client or group client. But something I found over the last few years is the clients who decided to sign up for this introduction course, but had nothing going on, no social occasions, nothing for six weeks. And they were delighted about that. I was nearly telling them, no, like, but you're not going to keep that up forever. So what are you yeah. going to do when a social occasion comes up? And like my clients I've had like over the last while, it, they've had like a couple of things on since Christmas. They've had like weekends where they had to go out twice. It was like a hen party and then this, that and the other. And in the first six weeks, they had all these challenges to face, but they're not challenges. They're, they're, your, they're your life. Like, so you yeah. need to learn how to navigate them. And they were like, it's so funny, Narissa, like I've actually feel like I have faced so much challenges in the first few weeks that's made me realize that this can become a lifestyle change. And it doesn't need to be something that exactly like you said at the start, we need to take all these things away from our lives. Like it's just learning how to navigate them because I'm like, the road of life is unpredictable. There's swings and roundabouts. You just have to learn how to go with it. And like when, okay, some things are going to come up that are going to be bigger than others. But every time you face them challenges and you get through them, you increase your self-efficacy. You're like, do you know what? If something else comes, I can actually tackle it. And yeah, a coach is amazing to have because like, <laughs> half the time my clients are like half the time you're a personal trainer and nutritionist but half the time you're just a life coach and they were like yeah. 
I was like, but that's it. I was like, the 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 coaches who treat everything as separate, like, and I was talking to one of the lads about this last weekend. And I think lads can be really funny as well, because he was just like, so you mean to tell me that like your clients come to you and talk about like relationships and like jobs? And I was like, yeah, because I was like, how is that not encompassed in this? I was like, it's all linked. It's all linked. And if they can talk to the to a coach and they feel comfortable, which I'm sure all your clients come to you as well. And they talk to you about like relationship problems and stuff like that. If they feel comfortable to talk to you about this, well, then you're able to give them a little bit of advice from someone who's not emotionally involved in it, like a parent or a sister and stuff like that. You give them a bit of advice from a coaching standpoint and all of a sudden they're able to be like, oh, okay. And like, then it's like, there's no point in me telling someone like, how's your protein this week when they're literally going through a horrific time with all their kids being sick. They're like, if you talk to me about how my sleep is crap this week and about my protein when my two kids are sick, I swear to God. I was like, I just wouldn't do it. Like, and I don't think a good coach would. So it's like, how can you not take in their lifestyle factors? Like, I totally agree. And that's, and this is by no means for from anything to do with me, but we do like semi-private training. So there'd be like six people in a group. Um, and honestly, people come in and they're like, girls, no matter who's in the group, they're like, girls, I've had a shit day or I've had a shit week, yeah. but I'm here. And everyone's like, oh my God, tell us about your week. And like, it's just like, I hate to say, because we're obviously none of us are, including myself, not, not qualified therapists, but yeah. they leave the session. They're like, oh my God, you know, I went to the gym, I showed up, I'm really proud of myself for doing that. But I also was surrounded by these lovely people that just listened to me. And just whether people give advice or don't give advice, like people are just there to listen. And exactly like I've gotten messages from clients after sessions being like, I genuinely feel like that was a therapy session where I just walked in and like all the girls were there, like helping me with my life problems. And I'm like, that's what we're there for we're not just there as you said to check how much protein you're having or to make sure you got your steps done you know each week like we're here because as you said like there is yes food and exercise are really important but there's so much more the mindset comes into it so much and I would say when it comes to um reaching your goals or achieving something 90% of that is mindset and if you tell yourself this story of oh, why does this have to happen? And why, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm guilty of this still a little bit, but I'm a lot better than I was a few years ago. But this um, mindset of why does this have to happen to me? Sure, there's no way I could, you know, get five gym sessions in. And it's like, well, what about two? Oh, well, that's not good enough. You know, why would yeah. I do two? And that kind of, when we we talk to ourselves like that, it's, it's putting these obstacles yeah. in front of us. And just referring to what you said about the obstacle is the way. That is something that, honestly changed my life I talked to uh Justin Caffrey on episode four uh I think it was and he talked a lot about um he very sadly lost his son who um was uh premature and and he uh this is going back maybe I think got 2012 or something but um I was asking him how how did he deal with that and he was saying like leaning into things as I'm facing them head on as opposed to running away from things so much easier said than done but I think that was a huge eye-opener to me and I said to him you know I'm sure you've read the obstacle is the way and he said that's exactly what it is it's leaning into these things and going okay this challenge in front of me has been sent to try me I'm not a very religious person but I do believe that there are certain things 
and reasons for things um, when they happen. And I think certain challenges are put in our way to try us. And exactly what you said about your injuries, you would not be coaching, doing online coaching if it wasn't for injuring your ankle. I would not be doing this podcast if I hadn't had my surgery. So there were so many things. I would not be in the industry that I'm in if I didn't go through an eating disorder. I'm almost certain I wouldn't be. Um, So there's so many things that while they seem like a really difficult challenge at that time it's it's breaking it down and going okay there's a reason this happened and I am going to if I can get through this I can get through anything for me it was holy shit I'm opening a gym during COVID what the hell and my dad was just saying to me if you can get through this and if you can get clients (laughs) through this you can get through anything and lo and behold there is um, an economy crisis and there's all this where I'm like this is a really difficult time my dad's like you got through COVID yeah you can get through anything and I'm like yes because it does give you that that confidence and it's not to say that there's not going to be shit times but you just it's that reminder to yourself of I got through this I can I can get through whatever else life throws at me it's um, true though and another thing I'll always say to people like there's a couple of things I always come back to with clients and one of them is um like your ability to respond and not react to situations was probably one of the biggest game changers for me like I would be a hot-headed Scorpio like back in the day and when things did not go my way I'd be like oh, all over the place this that and the other and that's hot-headed Scorpio I love that <laughs> anyone that knows me would be like yeah she was well I think I'm a lot calmer now and I've gone mad into the meditation and yoga so I'm a bit more zen but like when things wouldn't go my way like I literally would like skyrocket here and I was such a perfectionist and everything like had to be and it was like dominating my life to the point where it was nearly stopping me doing things because I had this fear of failure whereas like now something I'm always saying like when something happens I'm like you don't have the power to control any of your external circumstances but you can get back your power if you choose to respond to that situation Mm -hmm. and not react to it and that can be said for like when when I work with clients obviously as you said like we're not qualified therapists so like this isn't this isn't actual binge eating disorder but like if someone would say you know a bit of an emotional eater I see a lot of the time and I'm like okay well here's something very simple that you can try to do I was like is the power of the pause right so before you do anything like obviously I'm talking about food here but this kind of goes for anything I was like that you if you can implement even that halt system am I hungry am I angry am I lonely am I tired okay take a couple of rounds of box breathing and take back that power before you react to that situation you'd be very surprised at how much you can regain a little bit of control over something if you take that pause and I think um oh there's that really good Viktor Frankl quote like Amelia always says it about like between stimulus and response there is like this pause and in that pause you can claim your power like and I always refer back to that because I'm like it's so true because when something happens whatever it is and I like want to launch straight into something I've gotten a lot better at being like whoa take a breath walk away like how do I actually feel about this am I reacting from a place of just high emotions or am I reacting like most of the time when we're reacting to something it's because of something that's happened in the past so I'm like I think there's huge power to be regained there if you just take a pause before you want to react to situations where there's a lot of high energy and that was such a game changer for me and then the other thing I'm always just saying and what the girls say as well imperfect action I'm like and stepping away from being a perfectionist 
game changer absolute game changer and just going back on that there that like instant reaction I that's probably the biggest thing that I struggle with something will occur and I'm immediately on it how can I fix this oh my god this is really you know pissing me off and my boyfriend's like the total opposite of me and I talk about him a lot and how like zen he is and calm he is and by no means is this through meditation I mean this in the best way possible I actually think it's through laziness (laughs) I don't have the energy to worry about that right now whereas I'm like I worry for him and everyone in Dunleary compared to what (laughs) compared to how he worries but for me I'm definitely one to like instantly react and whether it's oh my God, why has this happened? And like that that victim kind of mentality that I still struggle with today. But just what you've said there, I mean, in the nicest way possible, I couldn't care less if nobody finds that helpful. I find that super helpful. <laughs> I'm like, pause, Vicky, take a step back. Like I said to you today was one of those days where I was like, I woke up and like the pipe burst in the gym and water flooded everywhere that I was like, I was like, oh my God, I was like, what am I going to do here? And like, now I have to change this around. And then I was like, oh God, I got a podcast to go. And then I was like, I just went to the bathroom and I was like, breathe. And that's the first time I've ever done that. I honestly, but Nerissa, you were actually in my head because I know this is what you do. And I was like, Nerissa, what would Nerissa say? (laughs) (laughs) I went to the bathroom before we recorded a podcast. And I was like, (sighs) I took five deep breaths. And I was like, Vicky, this is not the end of the world. You've had a stressful morning, but you're going to have a really amazing podcast right now. And I just think like that already for me is a massive amount of progress. So if somebody can take one thing from this podcast, it's that pause before yeah. you action or do anything in, in uh, just, just without thinking, pause, few breaths and go from there because I mean, you'll you'll thank yourself for it. Absolutely. But that's that's stuck with me. So thank you. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I like to think I do it 90 percent of the time now. Of course, it's times the week before my period where I'm just so irrational. And literally someone is doing it and I'm just like, like a hot headed Scorpio. Yeah. Hot headed <laughs> Scorpio. So I'll drop a pen and I'll literally be angry with the pen for being dropped because it's like, the week before my period. Last night. I was in the gym and I said, girls, you know, when you drop a pen and it's your time of the month and you just like the world, the world has ended. Um, no, no, it's, but it's exactly what you said. Imperfect action. It's not about, it's not about doing this pausing all the time. It's about doing it more than you did maybe six months ago, which I think is super important for people to look at. Um, but Nurse, oh, I could talk to you for forever. Like this was so great. Um, and your, like I said, your energy is phenomenal. Um, I, I we're talking quite a lot, so I just kind of want to start to wrap up. Um, but I'm just curious. You obviously cover a lot of things when it comes to your coaching. So I know you work on, you know, relationship with food with clients, nutrition if it's their goal is fat loss. Um, you know, exercise, all that. Um, you work a lot on clients I'm sure like or your your style of coaching seems to um have a lot of like a, a spiritual aspect to it can you give us like a really brief kind of description how that works because this is something that I really want to get into because as I've said I'm definitely somebody that acts in the moment I'm all about you know doing 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 I rarely take time to just sit and sit with my emotions and sit and chill I struggle to just sit still so for me this is something 
being very selfish I want to take from this but I'm I can only guarantee other people are going to find this um incredibly useful but where where can somebody start I suppose when it comes to introducing that kind of spiritual mindfulness approach into their into their life to be honest Vicky most of the time I just slip it in there and they don't know about it because some of them aren't spiritual so I just like give them some concepts and they're just like I like that and I don't tell them it's because I'm a big rage and hippie on the inside <laughs> I know, I'm really joking. But something we did in our yoga teacher training, and I suppose it was um, it was probably my relationship to yoga and how it grew. And it started off as a physical thing. And all of a sudden, I started getting, like, because I think when you start yoga, especially as a fitness person, you're like, I want to do all these really cool poses. And you notice yourself. 100%. Like, I, yeah. It's the breathing that gets me. I'm like, how do people breathe like this? Yeah. And you know what? Like literally when I first started doing yoga, the Shavasana at the end, lying still killed me. I was like, this is the hardest. Mm. Give me a power yoga class any day. I will blast through this. And I see a lot of dancers like this. Right. And when they first start trying yoga, they're like, I can't. I actually can't do it because you you make me sit still at the end and I can't do it. And I'm like, I know because I was like this. And I kept at it and kept at it. And eventually then after I'd say about a year of like practicing yoga quite consistently something just started clicking in life where I was just like listening to my body a lot more and not just like what I was saying at the start about like training with your body and against your body like actually just had this newfound love and respect for it that I was like holy shit I have treated you like shit for so long and I am so sorry like I am so so sorry I remember doing a yoga class and we were doing this whole hip opening thing and they'll say a lot of like your emotions get trapped in your hips and I was doing this pigeon pose and I just started bawling crying like I, d- I didn't think any of this was possible because I was so skeptical of it when I started I started bawling crying with just this love and admiration for my own body and everything I'd put it through as a dancer for years and getting so frustrated if I got injured and being angry with it and like years and years ago before I studied nutrition working as a dancer starving myself for contract like I just it just hit me one day in a class and I was just bawling crying but like in such a way of love and compassion for my body so I was like right I feel like this is something that has helped me fall in love with my own body and appreciate everything it's been through so when I went to do my yoga teacher training it was really good to kind of get like the the history of yoga and kind of they talk about like different layers and like the first layer and the reason why we practice like the actual physical postures and stuff is to get through that physical layer because when you start looking after that physical layer usually then that taps into a deeper layer which is like the mental layer and then the spiritual layer emotional layer all these things it's not that they're not linked but this is what I say when I talk to clients like about nutrition and training and whether they're into yoga or not, I don't bring that into it. But when you start looking after your body and you start fueling it with, and there's no good or bad food. I'm like, food is fuel. That is it. It's fine. But when you start paying a bit more attention and putting food into your body and training in a way that you want to be feeling stronger, like all of a sudden this impacts other areas of your life, your relationships start improving. So whether you want to look at it from like a scientific perspective of actually just, you know, you're looking after yourself a little bit better and this spilling into your life, or you want to look at it in a spiritual way where you know, that's that first layer where you actually kind of went through and you're on that physical side and now you're kind of, it's spilling into other areas of your life and your mindset and you have like eventually, I think like that, that newfound respect for your body and that love for your body and a different relationship to it doesn't mean you don't always want to change it. Like sometimes I'll go through phases where I'm like, okay, like, you know what? I feel like ramping up the training a little bit, blah, 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 blah. I go through different phases. But um, I think 
when I talk about like the more spiritual things, I think I tend to like, when I just talk about things, I'm free balling it most of the time. And it's just like, even in my check-ins, my poor clients, like they do check-ins every week and I send them back a loom. And every time I tell them, I'll try and keep this under 10 minutes. And most of the check-ins are 25 minutes when I, I'm, I'm like, listen to it on speed too. Cause when I go on, <laughs> I go on a rampage and things just come to me. So like, I think a lot of the like spiritual stuff that I'd bring in, I'm very scientific as well. So when yeah. I'm talking about something, I'd always give them like the science behind something. But then like this little hippie things just kind of like treacle in and like journal prompts and things like that. And just talking about a lot of the time talking about my own story and my own experience and then they can resonate with it and stuff like that. So like the spiritual side, I'm always like I tie it all in. But at the yeah. same time, from a science perspective and also just ways that people can implement things because some of my clients are big into yoga and into this kind of thing and some of them have absolutely no interest they just want to go in smash the weights and stuff like that but I'd send them like little things throughout the week like one of my one of my clients was really sick last week and um she was saying to me she was getting really frustrated because she'd been sick for like two weeks and she's actually she's been with me nearly two years like she's just she's amazing she's doing so well but she um she was she's recently given up smoking and stuff as well and she's going through this massive period in her life where like she's doing a lot of things like big changes in her life and like I sent her something then because she's getting really into the journal and stuff like that. And then I sent her like this spiritually thing on TikTok about like going through big transitions and energy shifts in the body. And I was like, and then sometimes that can come out as sickness because I was told this in the meditation retreat. They were like, a lot of you are probably going to come down with sicknesses and stuff because like they treat the mind and everything as like when you start doing a lot of meditation, like it's like a septic wound. So they were like, I know that sounds awful, but if you have like an infected wound, you have to let all the pus bubble to the surface, clear the pus, and then it's okay. So they were like, they treat the mind as that. But I was like, a lot of the time, the energy body can be treated as that as well. You start clearing all this stuff. Sometimes the body will react like in these, if you believe in energies and stuff like that, that shift and you end up getting a bit sick. Anyway, she like two years ago, she totally wouldn't have even batted an eye if I sent her this thing. She was like, actually I have been doing like a lot of meditation and stuff lately and I was like yeah getting them all into being a big hippie (laughs) wow but no it's it's amazing to see that because it's always something I want to get into and I just I've always been in that like again I've I've told myself that story of Vicky you're too intense you're too but you'll probably tell me that's the type of person that needs it the most is the person that's running from A to B being like no, I got this. I can do a million and one tasks in one day. And I'm probably that, that is ideal for me, you know, sitting down before bed or first thing in the morning or whenever it is to just like sit and meditate and breathe. And yeah, wow. It, it's so, I love how you talk about it and you're so passionate about it. So you've sold it to me. You've absolutely sold it's it to me. It's so hard though. Like when I tell yeah. you that I sit down every morning for 10 minutes to meditate in the morning and I do, I'm, when people are first beginning to meditate, I'm like, find what suits you. If you need to do guided meditations, you need to do breath work, you need to do something a bit more active, that's fine. But since Christmas now, I've just been doing silent meditations. 
I'm not joking when I tell you the first seven and a half minutes easily of that is like, I need to do this today. Back to your breath. Oh, actually, yeah. did I do that? What am I going to cook for dinner tonight? Oh my God, did I text that person back? That client needed me to message them something and I forgot <laughs> to send them that video, the exercise. And that's like seven minutes of my mindedness. And then I might just get that 30 seconds of just poof. And even that is amazing. Like I, I'm very high energy. I'm like you, especially in the morning. I'm like, go, 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 go. So I actually find it a lot easier to meditate in the evening, but I force myself to do 10 minutes in the morning. But I swear to God, for seven minutes, I'm like, ah. And I think like the really big struggle, especially in today's society where we're all go, go, go all the time is like with like our physical training and things like that. Like it's it's not easy, but it's easier to see that you're making progression. Whereas with Mm -hmm. meditation, like that or anything to do with the mind like we it's not really measurable like there might be you could go 10 minutes as opposed to five minutes but like you're so right you might not for me is is would be hard as well because I'd be like am I even getting better at this but then you're so right like if you can go maybe you know like you said 30 seconds there where you're actually like 45 seconds is a major improvement I think and the thing is some days you're going to be able to just knock into it quicker than others and other days you're just not going to be able to get into it at all and it's not really that you'll even notice it to be honest I don't notice it when I'm actually doing the meditations what I've realized since I actually hit a streak on insight timer these are my new pbs I'm aiming for now is actually like because I use insight timer it's it's not anything it's not a guided meditation it just gives you a gong at the start and a gong at the end and you can add time onto it but it's just a little measure thing because we love to measure things but I hit like a 1k like 1000 minute streak there last week and I was like yes but I don't notice it when I'm doing it right and this is the thing I've said to people the massive shift I've noticed is not that when I'm actually doing the meditation but in my everyday life when stressful things have been happening that ability to just be like okay I'm not going to react to this or even like I'd be walking down the road and I'm in my own head and I'm thinking exactly oh I'll do this and I need to text this person back and I I've all the to-do list and all of a sudden I'll just be out for a walk and I'll take my headphones out and I'll just stop and I'll just look at the trees or something I sound like such a hippie here but in that moment you're just so present and my ability to be more present in everyday situations that's what I've noticed but I don't notice it when I'm doing the meditation I only notice it when I'm in that moment and realize wow I've been in that conversation now and just been super present in it which I wasn't last year I was like boom like people would be talking to me and even though yeah I I was still responding and reacting and giving advice and stuff like that I feel like I was constantly just jumping to the next thing I needed to do the next thing I needed to do and getting to the end of the to-do list and I was just like then getting to the end of the week and this had to be done and I was just like everything was just boom whereas this I'm kind of just a lot more present (laughs) I suppose amazing Amazing. that's so great to hear because like that you're you're saying how you were somebody that wasn't present and now that's some that's a place you've gotten yourself to which gives me hope (laughs) I'm like I can get there I can get there um but Nurissa like I said I could talk to you all day about your life and your god there's I'm sure there's so many more stories you have that you can you can share with us but that just means we'll have to get you on for another podcast yes um (laughs) just before we wrap things up I have three rapid fire questions for you number one what is your favorite breakfast 
oh my god smoothies but like I ha- I have to explain this one okay because people are like smoothies for breakfast now I always have it with something I love a good smoothie I love a smoothie right but I make the- I'm a terrible cook but I make the best smoothies so I have like frozen banana game changer by the way frozen banana um frozen berries 200 milliliters, whatever milk you want, couple of drops of the white chocolate flavor drops and a scoop of the cereal milk protein, right? Now, I always have it with toast or oats or eggs or whatever else I'm having, but it's like my dessert at breakfast and like I'm pretty proud of my smoothies. Okay, <laughs> I brought- I'm, I literally, I'm the coldest person ever. So usually I'm like, I'm going to make a smoothie tomorrow and then I wake up and I'm freezing and I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to have a bowl of oats, oats just because I'm so cold. But I bought frozen berries, so I just need to now get bananas, freeze them, and I'm going to try that. That sounds unreal. Um, favorite music artist? Oh, Eminem. Going for Ooh, it. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and lastly, your favorite book? Oh, okay. 101 essays that'll change what you think. Um, I have to give you two here because I can't choose between them. Um Oh my God, what's the name of the book? Code of the Extraordinary Mind. They're two of my favorite oh God, books. I'm going to have to write those down. So sorry, 100, say again, sorry. 101 essays that'll change the way you think. That's Brianna Weist and um, Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Your man, Vishen Lakiani, the guy who owns Mind Valley. That book changed my life. I read that book before I launched my business and it was the reason I launched my business because it made me just be like, he has this thing in it where he talks about uh, the rules, like the bullshit rules that society places on us about having to do this by a certain age and all these things he did that were like completely against the grain and how it worked out for him. And it made me just like, I am going to literally do, because I read it before I was turning 30, I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm like, and I'm going to make it work. And that was the reason why like I launched my business and everything. So there too. Unreal. I actually just bought this though yesterday and I'm dying to read this. It's Ben Carpenter's new book. Oh, I love him. He's amazing. Okay. I need to read more. I really do. So reading and meditation. Those are my goals. (laughs) Um, Narissa, thank you so, so, so much for joining me. Can I just ask you, where can people find you? Be it socials, website, let us know. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Narissa underscore Shea Fitness. So that's N-E-R-I-S-S-A underscore S-H-E-A Fitness. Because everyone's like, why? where's your name from? <laughs> What's like, your name from? <laughs> it's Greek, but my mom's from Longford and my dad is from Manchester. So I have no idea where they got it. Ooh, but everyone's like, oh, wow. Beautiful name. Greek relatives. And I'm like, none at all. But hopefully I'll go on holidays there this year. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um, so Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook, just Narissa Shea. And I'm actually currently in the process of getting my website done up again. So I'm not going to give out the website just yet until that's done. But you'll find me on Instagram anyway. That's the best way to get me. Brilliant. Well, Narissa, thank you so much for joining us. No doubt people are going to find this podcast so useful, funny as well, and just with loads of great and interesting tips. Thank, thank you so much. so much for having me on. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that episode with Narissa as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to share it with your friends, family, or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps in growing the podcast. For more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28 day trial that we run for half price. 
And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which includes some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.